Abolition. Abolition. Slavery is back. In fact, it was never abolished. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution abolished slavery, except in prison. At the current rate of incarceration, by the year 2010, the majority of all African-American men between 18 and 40 will be in prison. The state as their captor. The prison begins after, uh, after slavery. You know, you had all these people on all these plantations, all these farms who are making money. America is built on the exploitation of black labor. America is built on slave labor. So slavery ends and suddenly the slave codes turn into black codes, right? Because the 13th Amendment abolishes slavery, right? But it only abolishes slavery except under the condition of prison. In other words, if you commit a crime, if you're incarcerated, according to the 13th Amendment, slavery is still allowed. So you're technically a slave if you're in prison. Absolutely. You can legally be told what to do. Your labor can be forced, etc. So if... If, no, if, if nobody's a, if you, So think about it like this. You need slaves to keep the economy going. You don't have slaves anymore unless people commit a crime. So what do you do? You make everything a crime. So suddenly the slave codes became the black codes. So now black people can be arrested for vagrancy, for standing outside, for cursing in front of a woman, for being out of town without a job. All of these things which are fairly arbitrary crimes, or if crimes at all, they take them and they throw them back into the prison. And then they have something called the convict lease system, where the prison can lease the convicts out to the same plantations they left to do the same work they did as slaves. So now the slaves have become free only to become slaves again through prison. And that is the system that we're dealing with right now, a, a, a new version of the convict lease system. And that's why labor is exploited, and that's why prisons have become even more for profit. That's why we see more privatization, because people because make, a people money, make, make money in this country on exploited labor, labor, and this is one example. Change your mind. Stop calling it the things that it is not. It's not mass incarceration. It's not all those things I mentioned before. What is it? Slavery. What do we want to hand? Slavery. What are we fighting? Slavery. Abolition. 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 You just heard Abolition Today's first audio that was played back on March 15, 2020, and that was Slavery is Back with Mark Lamont Hill, followed by Max Parthas down in Washington, D.C., educating the people to give it the proper term, call it slavery. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major podcast platforms. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm out on the road. I'm broadcasting live from Cleveland, Ohio this evening. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max. Peace, Brother Yusuf. Uh, I'm here in the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina, just minutes away from this, where the Civil War began. Last week, uh, Max and I, for our listeners, Max and I covered Rikers Island and all the horrors behind that island of death. We were joined by Dr. Al-Fatah Stewart who has spent the last three and a half years on Rikers Island awaiting trial. And he just gave 
of firsthand witness to all of the atrocities that are going on on the island. And unlike just about every other coverage you've, you've heard in the past or you've seen anywhere, we examined this hell on earth from the perspective of slavery abolitionists and not as prison abolitionists or reformists. Also, Max was live on a, on a location in Selma, Alabama, during the annual Backwards March, marking the March 6th Bloody Sunday, uh, when thousands walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge from Montgomery, Alabama, to Selma, Alabama, in an attempt to register to vote. That's what was happening back then. We also commemorated the 12th anniversary of the March 4th for Freedom, 2010. That was the first national organized protest against legalized slavery in the post-antebellum era. We've come a long way and covered a lot of ground since Season 1, Episode 1 of uh, Abolition Today on March 15, 2020. That was the day Breonna Taylor was murdered by Kentucky slave catchers. Uh, so we're going to share some of the highlights, some of the favorite moments, and look back at how we got here today as we plan for the future. We're also opening the phone lines so you can share some of your favorite Abolition Today moments with us. The guest call in is 515-605-9814. Remember to press the number one on your keypad to get in the queue for questions or comments. And, of course, we'll be tapping into our rich archive of amazing music and moments captured in audio mixes as well as bringing the words of the ancestors back to life in our Bridging the Gap segment. So happy birthday to Abolition Today. And before we get started, uh, Get started, Max. Won't you tell us about the opening track and how your week has been? Well, it was uh, it's cool listening to that opening track again. The very first one we played, how we came in, and now you might understand if you're a regular listener. My angst with Brother Mark Lamar Hill because he knows all about this. We started the program with him, and nowadays mm-hmm. he is at minded, so it does bug me. Uh, but the, you know, we put a lot of effort into. Uh, a number of things for this program. We want to stand out. Uh, mainly, we want to stay focused, though, because there are so many outlets for information, but there were none for our slavery abolition information. And so we made sure that we stayed focused. Uh, we began with an inmate uh, organization, as a matter of fact. We were sponsored by Jailhouse Lawyers uh, Speak and the I Am We Ubuntu Advocacy Network, uh, which put together the March on Washington where you heard me speak in that track. Uh, so they hollered at you, boy, they was like, because they knew I, I was in hiatus. I had been really sick for a while, and I'd gotten out of radio. I'd spent maybe eight years doing a program similar to this. And then I was out for a couple of years, and they knew I was coming back. They was like, Max, we know you're coming back, but when you come back, we want you to work with us. <laughs> we want you to do this thing for us. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll do it for you but I'm going to need a co-host. <laughs> and I sent out the word, and Yusuf was like, oh, hell to the yeah, Max. Let's do this. <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Sister Hannah said she would join us, too, and she did uh, for a, a few episodes, but life got a hold of her. She wasn't able to continue. But you and I, uh, we, we stayed on it, man, and we have created such a wonderful, rich archive in these three seasons now and two years. Yeah. Um, yeah, and today we're going to tap into some of that, you know. Uh, we really should have a museum to put these things into because we've captured moments throughout these periods as slavery abolition once again came to the forefront of the American consciousness. And we started 
doing these historical things like changing state constitutions all over the country. <laughs> like who the thunk it's amazing. So that was that was that about the first track. Yeah, yeah, Max. It's been an amazing journey, and I was just looking. You know, I listen to something almost every day because we just have, I don't know, maybe 140, 150 episodes. I mean, we ran 28 episodes of Live from the Plantation, which was uh, uh, produced by those that are incarcerated. They were broadcasting live from inside prisons around the country. We've had that on the platform for 28 weeks. And that went uh, really, really strong. A lot of information came out of that. I look at the music that we have. Yeah. You know, the, the music that we've had, the, just the names of the episodes, you know, (laughs) Max does, I think you've done 99.9% of the naming of the episodes and being the wordsmith that you are. You've come up with some very uh, thought-provoking titles for many of our episodes, for all of our episodes, you know, to where you're like, what? you got to do a double take, and it's like, I have to listen to this. Like, what are they talking about? So uh, just definitely have to commend you for that and for all of the music mixes and then, you know, you forcing me into the forefront because I was kind of like taking a back seat for, you know, the first couple of weeks. And you're like, nah, you're going to have to be the one opening the show and you're going to have to start doing some mixes, man. And, you know, just uh, challenging me to that and pushing me to that. So I definitely thank you for that as well, man. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, that's matter of fact, I got a list of my ten favorite things about the program, the show, and that's one of them mm-hmm. is our our chemistry. We got some really good chemistry. Uh, we've had it for well over a decade now, all the way back right. to 2011 and that blizzard in New Jersey, right? Right. <laughs> and me exactly. asking you, oh, you an expert in law? What you know about the 13th Amendment? And and it all began from there. You know the butterfly effect. So, yeah, right. and, and even during my previous stint in radio, you were still there with me periodically co-hosting and guesting and stuff. So, yeah, that's one of my one of, one of my ten. So I got nine left to talk about throughout the program. Uh, we're going to get into some, some powerful stuff tonight as far as remembering some of the music and moments, but we also got a lot of callers that we want to hear from, uh, people who have stood with us since the very beginning, and, and team members like uh, Sharon Smith, and Jeanette Smith, uh, who worked behind the scenes to make sure that everything is everything and uh, gets the information out to people uh, all over the world. Uh, we're broadcast across about a dozen different countries, and thousands and thousands of people have heard this program. Uh, so, yeah, I want to hear from you guys. You know, Tell us some of your favorite moments or what you like about or dislike about. You know, We can take criticism. Um, feel free to offer it. So remember to press 1 on your keypad if you have a question or you want to make a comment. Uh, there's been a lot going on this week as well. Yusuf, you know, I'll be staying busy, man. Uh, this week I right. met with the ACA3 uh, group, uh, which is the California Abolition uh, Group, and uh, they've got some right. wonderful strategies as they move into getting theirs on the ballot. Um they may already be on the ballot. They were waiting for a vote to happen just a few days ago. Uh, we got Louisiana back on the ballot again. They're all set up, thanks to Brother Curtis Davis over there, uh, decarcerating Louisiana. So, as a matter of fact, tomorrow he's going to be over in the Capitol uh, talking to a lot of Republican 
senators there in order to get them on board. Because, you know, the last time they submitted it, nine Republican senators voted no. They wanted to keep slavery. And so he's right. trying to hedge his bets and see what he can do to change their mind over there. Um, also, uh, did a program with Vermont. Uh, they're doing public campaigns now, where they, you know they're out in the public uh, at a venue speaking about this issue weekly. And at the same time, they have a panel of guests to come on, and they had me come on and DJ. <laughs> like play that abolitionist music, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I came on to DJ. That was that was really cool, man. And a couple of days ago was Harriet Tubman Day. Um, so that was also uh, a special day for us because, you know, one of our guests, and we had some wonderful guests, one of our guests was the great-great-grandniece of Harriet Tubman, uh, Sister Tina Wyatt. She's a, she's a fantastic person and a good friend. Absolutely. She'll be but, yeah, I, I man, like one of the proudest moments of my life is her on the program talking about how, how, how proud Harriet would have been of us, <laughs> you know? Like, hey, yeah. Right. Amazing, amazing moment, man. And some of the things that we've seen along the way has just been mind-blowing. As you mentioned, the 28 episodes of Live from the Plantation, which has been described described as a revolutionary program. When we first were approached with it by Brother Benu out in the Free Alabama movement, uh, we was like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if you're going to get three, four episodes because they're going to come down hard on you. You're using contraband phones. Some of you are in solitary confinement. The lead producers are in solitary confinement on a contraband phone. <laughs> but we for did decades. 28 episodes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, for decades. And they put out so much information speaking on behalf of those who are directly affected by this. Uh, sitting in solitary confinement for, like you said, decades, you know, organizing from within inside the prisons as slavery abolitionists uh, being railroaded through these systems in a place where violations are happening daily of their age amendments. Um, so that was revolutionary. And we even, I was telling uh, Kamal Allen the other day that we are like the narrators for the Abolish Slavery National Network because we were there at the beginning. We've been our way up there to the beginning until now. And we have told right. the story, what they've done and what they've accomplished and what their plans was and all of that. Uh, one of the, my favorite episodes, as a matter of fact, was the abolitionist Midas touch. <laughs> Remember that one? Because mm, we had like right. five bills on the table, and we won every single one of our bills passed. It was freaking amazing, man. Pass it back to you, bro. Yeah, just just reminiscing, you know, over it. And when I look back on 2020, when we first came on the air, and just seeing how we've grown even in our delivery because I remember our first couple of episodes you know we, w- we were stumbling over the mic you know sometimes stepping on each other when we were talking uh, technical difficulties we were having and then something just clicked and it seemed like the narrative of what was going on in the country was in lockstep with the lessons that were being taught to us by Frederick Douglass. And it was almost mm-hmm. as if Frederick Douglass was picking the episodes for us. He was naming them for us because it came right in line with his narrative. Every mm-hmm. episode was exactly what was going on in the country. So exactly what he saw during his time, we were witnessing for ourselves in real time. So that was very monumental just going through that in 2020 and then 
you know, the, the movement started defining itself. Like, we didn't even really have to pick anything. It's, it's, it's in the forefront, as you mentioned, you know, just that butterfly effect that we had celebrities coming out, you know, saying stuff. You know, 13th Amendment was popping up everywhere. The, the, the conversation reached all the way to the White House floor for the first time yeah. in history. You know, just, yep. the, just the discussion of the 13th Amendment. And, of course, with the media spin, they made it seem like Kanye was out of his mind and all of this stuff. But we know what was really going on. And, you know, we, we highlighted it on the show. Uh, then just the, the number of guests that we've had, you know, just the comrades we have out here on the front lines putting in that work and – all of them telling us that they're glad that, you know, people like us exist because it shows, it like gives a national voice to say, you know, people are out here doing things. Sometimes when you're in the middle of a movement, you feel alone. You feel as though there's no one else really out here doing things. But then when you start seeing people from Texas and people from Oregon and California and Maine and just all these states, you know, Alabama and Georgia and Florida, all over the country, you know, you start seeing all of this stuff happening, and you're like, wow, I'm not alone. It's a whole network. And, you know, it's just you can't really describe that feeling. So it's just great being a part of that, and I know that we're living in history right now. Yes, we are, brother. Hey, we got a couple of callers that want to say something. Let's start with 0216 out there in South Kakalaki. I believe that's Hi, Jeanette. this is Tribal Rain. Oh, it's Tribal Rain. Hey, 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 Tribal Rain. Hey, people, how are you? Oh, my goodness. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, Max. Thank you so uh, much, Tribal. It's, thank it's, you. It's thank you. Happy, happy anniversary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tribal Rain is my yes. uh, beloved wife of 36 years, and everything that I've been doing, she's been right there next to me. Even the trip in Alabama last week, she was right there with me, along with my pregnant daughter. Uh so tell me, Travel, you've been here since oh, the beginning. Wow. You've seen things nobody else has seen. Like, you've seen me on the breakdown moments and the joy moments, <laughs> you know what I mean? And the struggle that is put into making sure this program goes off in the proper way. Uh, and there's been some amazing moments. What are some of your favorite memories? Uh, some of my favorite moments was, actually, one of my favorite shows was the one with, the Queen Mother of Benin. Mm. Yes. And yes. with Harriet Tubman's niece. I really enjoyed the one where we played the scene from American Gods. Oh, yeah. Frederick Douglass' finale. Regarding Anansi. Uh huh. With the scene from the boat. I could yeah, actually yeah. vision that in my head. That was so real. And I could actually see uh, you, Max, being one of those people that would actually say <laughs> something like that. And you Get step behind you on the, yeah, Max, yeah, burn the boat down. So, yeah, that's, yeah, uh... yeah. It's, it's been an amazing year, and it's been a pleasure to watch the vision grow and open the eyes of people everywhere and to witness the accomplishments. That has happened. I mean, we've done a whole lot just within this short period of time. Right. Yeah. uh, We are so much more in the show, that's for sure. Yes. And we are. 
and yeah. to watch everything start to come into fruition is it's it's just amazing. Cool. Well, I'm we glad I could be a part of it. Every every week, uh, I, I, many times I've come to you saying which track should I use, and sometimes you will find one for me, like that Killing Strangers, <laughs> you know, and others. Yeah, you've been directly mm. involved. Hey, let me bring another caller in. We got three, four, five, three. Uh, go ahead and join us on Abolition Today. Uh, who's calling? Hey, what up, Abolitionists? This is Kamal from the Abolish Slavery National Network. How you doing today? Kamal! It is a family reunion. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Man, it's so good to be on this call. It's it's always an honor to share the space with you, Max and Yusuf and Tribal. Uh, I just wanted to hop on the horn real quick to wish uh, Abolition Today a happy anniversary and to really take some time to acknowledge how abolition today and the work that is being done in the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center is the, is the informational and spiritual backbone of this abolitionist movement today. Um, like the information y'all have been putting out, the work that y'all do in your study, because I want listeners to know like y'all study this stuff. Y'all are experts in this. So I really appreciate your hard work. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Really, thank you. Thank you so much, brother Kamal, because, you know, and kudos to you for those who are new listeners and don't know, brother Kamal is the back, he's part of the movement that started this whole thing. When we talk about uh, removing exception clauses, exception clauses from state constitutions, they started it off in in Colorado. And so they were the first successful state to have their, their, their slavery uh, amendment removed from their state constitution. And then when they were in the process of establishing a national organization, they welcomed Max and I with open arms, you know, when this was in the grounds uh, stages. They could have easily said, uh, no, we would just want to keep it with the Colorado crew. But they mm-hmm. said, no, you know, we recognize you for who you are. You all need to be a part of this movement, and we definitely thank you for that. Man, I, I appreciate that love, man. I just got to say that without y'all, there would be no ASNN. And, and I want to be unequivocally clear about that. Y'all are, y'all are integral to this, to this organization and to our efforts. So thank you so much. Much appreciated, brother. Thank you, brother. Um, thank you. I know really you're a listener. I, I know you're a listener of the program. You might not have heard them all, but you've heard enough of them and learned quite a bit. Any favorite moments uh, or uh, music or anything like that that stands out for you over these past three seasons? Heck yeah, the Tales from the Plantation is <laughs> <Yeah>. popular. Because, <laughs> um, you know, like the, the outside world for folks who are not incarcerated and folks who've never been incarcerated, you gave the world an, oppor- you, like, you, you gave the world an opportunity to hear directly from the people who are on the front lines. And there's, like, I know that I, you know, Worked with worked on the abolish slavery campaign in Colorado, but you know who's even more front lines than that? The people who are enslaved today, mm-hmm. and to hear directly mm-hmm. from them, and and not just their stories and tribulations, but their organizing and uplifting their power. That was um, what distinguished this show for me, uh, apart from other um, radios and podcasts and, and other. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, blog types like it's 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 the real deal. 
Thank you, brother. That definitely was revolutionary. Thank you so much. And it's available on our archives at abolitiontoday.org. Go check that out. Those 28 episodes are golden. And just to let everybody know, we're about to do it again with Tales from the Plantation, which will be hosted by Brother Samuel Nathaniel Brown, uh, original author of ACA3 out of California. With that being said, I got another caller on the board. Uh, let's bring in one more, and then we'll take a music track after those comments. 0390, you are on Abolition Today. Who are we speaking to? Um, this is Sharon Smith. How are you? Hey, 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 Sharon. Sharon. Same or well, I, uh, clerk. And, and tell you what my favorite parts are. So research, the depth of research, the amount of time, effort, energy, and just doggedness that you, Max, in particular, put into the research behind everything that the show talks about. Nobody knows how hard you work, but I know. <laughs> um, yeah, she <laughs> wanted people with access to our archives <laughs> where we plan everything out so she sees the work. Yep. Go ahead, Sharon. Yeah. I'm there for you. Um, and the, uh, my second favorite thing is the collaboration that the show has always had with those on the inside, the live from the plantation. And I'm thrilled to know that Samuel is going to be doing Tales from the Plantation. I'm really looking forward to that. Amen to that. Amen to that. Thank you, Sharon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The spirit that goes into it. I mean, there's, you know, such high energy and it's so positive. And, you know, when messed up stuff happens, we don't brush it under the rug, but we talk about it. And we always can find a way to talk about it that is hopeful in terms of what can be what can be done about it, um, you know, we talk about a lot of horrible things that happen um, as a result of prison slavery, but there's always a way to terrible things in ways that are proactive, and that's what I see you all doing every week. Oh yeah, Bless from day one, we Thank came in so here much. not expecting no to lose. Too. Mm-hmm. Thank you, indeed. Well, listen, you guys, we're going to let you stay on the whole time you, you want to stay on. Um, if you have something to say, just feel free to say it, but please just mute your mics during the tracks in between. But after that, we'll have an open conversation throughout the evening. And if you want to do the conversation, uh, on your oh, phone, there should be a mute symbol. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, if you want to join the conversation throughout the night, share some memories, or just say hi, uh, 515-605-9814. Remember to press 1 on your keypad. Let's go ahead and give some honor to Sister Mother Harriet Tubman uh, with a track that we played uh, when her niece was here. Harriet Tubman by Maya Angelou, followed by Stand Up from Harriet's film, uh, Cynthia Erivo. We'll be right back. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. Abolition. Abolition. Come down from that mountain, Harriet. Come down to the valley at night. Come down to your weeping people and be their guiding light. Sing deep river. Don't you want to cross over today? Sing deep river. Don't you want to walk on freedom's way? I stole down in the nighttime. I come back in the day. I stole back to Maryland to guide the slaves away. 
You better run, brave Harriet. There's ransom on your head. You better run, Miss Harriet. They want you live or dead. I've been down in the valleys yonder and searching around the stills. They got a posse after you, a riding through the hills. They got bloodhounds smelling. They got their guns cocked too. You better run, bold Harriet. The white man's after you. They got $10,000 put on your cold black head. They'll give $10,000. They mad because you fled. I'm Harriet Tubman, people. I'm Harriet the slave. I'm Harriet, free woman. And I'm free beyond my grave. I've been walking with my face turned to the sun. Weight on my shoulders, a bullet in my gun. Oh, I got eyes in the back of my head, just in case I had to run. I do what I can when I can while I can for my while the clouds roll back and the stars fill the night, that's when I'm gonna stand up, take my people with me. Together we are going to a brand new home, far across the river. Can you hear freedom calling, calling me to answer? Gonna keep on keeping on, I can feel it in And I 
There's about a whole lot of that. Well, go ahead, go ahead, Amen. All right. Well, we got another caller. Let's bring in eight five three two eight five three two. Welcome to Abolition today. Who are we speaking to? Hey, Max. Hey, Yusuf. Yusuf. This is Nathan. Oh, oh hey, Nathan. 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 Wow. <laughs> yeah. Man, the ASNN in the house today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. What's up, Nathan? Well, I'm calling just to to uh, wish you happy anniversary for for abolition today. You do great work, and and thank you for that music. Thank you for the poetry. Thank you for um, making us feel. Uh, it, it it really matters. That what you know, keep up the 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 work you do, and and keep making history because that's what we're trying to do. All of us. Um, what you're doing at um, abolition today, and what you're doing with us all at um, ASNN. He's out the man. Really appreciate that. Much appreciated, Nathan. Nathan is deeply involved with the church um, as well. Um, And on a number of occasions, I know that you have tuned into the program and have been very happy with what you've heard. Do you want to speak on any memorable moments and also the connection with the work we do and the church? Well, yes. I mean, you have you have great content all the time, both in terms of the discussions that you have and, um, you know, the, the 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 content, the music, and the and the poetry. Um, I, it, it, I mean, I have to say, a highlight is is um, Samuel Brown coming on because, um, you know, yeah. after all that he's been through and to be out and to be able to be on the the show and contribute, I, that that's a that's definitely a highlight. Um, you've done some great historical, you know, work. I mean, you have such history awareness, both of you, that you bring to this, which is really, um, you know, really good. And then, you know, just how it ties into the whole work of abolition. I mean, it, the church is supposed to be prophetic and should be speaking to the the issues that are present. I think that's a real task here. You know, when we did the work, you know, I worked with Kamau um, in Colorado on the Amendment A campaign in, in 2018, and our biggest obstacle was people just not even realizing that slavery is still real, that it's still here, that it needs to be abolished. And the church can be a place where people can speak out on that and other things. I mean, it's, it's a place to have a prophetic voice, and I encourage anyone who's part of faith community to think about how you can do that. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, Much appreciated, brother. Yeah, I I feel a deep connection uh, with the church as well. And I don't mean the corporate church, but the church of Christ uh, and the work Mm -hmm. that we do, you know, uh, that it is uh, God's work. And our ancestors felt very much the same. It's hard not to. You know, when you understand what it is you're facing and what's happening to the people around you. And that's something that goes often over others' heads because they become so indoctrinated. Uh, It's been so normalized, just as it was in the antebellum period, where you could walk down the streets whistling a happy tune while somebody in in chains was being ushered right across the street from you uh, along or beaten along. And and that's where we find ourselves again in 2022. Uh, We have the largest prison population that's ever existed on planet Earth, and it's hardly ever mentioned in media, ever. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it doesn't 
hold any weight, apparently, in anyone's hearts. And we are trying our best to change that. Hey, we've got another caller in. I want to take one more caller, and then I want to play a track that kind of exemplifies how we cross the border from just a radio program to something much more. So let's go ahead and bring in 2444. I know who this is, but tell them who it is. Hey, everybody. This is Savannah. (laughs) I'm so glad I was able to take it on. Yes. Happy birthday. Happy anniversary. Abolition today. Like, I didn't go to college this year, but y'all took me to school. For real. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all took me to school, and I'm so appreciative of all the work that you guys have been doing to support each and every state campaign, to support the Abolish Slavery National Network as a whole, and just being mentors. Uh, for this cause and for this struggle um, and using art to do so because that's very important, like uh, Nathan uh, so eloquently pointed out. Um, And my favorite show actually was when, uh, I think it was Mark Charles was on there. Uh, There was a lot of high energy from, like, everybody, lots of engagement and participation. And then, of course, when Sam came on um, and he was uh, talking about the theory of emotional uh, illiteracy. Yeah, illiteracy. Yeah, I think. But, man, that was a powerful show. So, yeah, bunch of great moments and just so blessed to be able to be a part of it. So thank you and just uh, keep up the good work. Um, that's thank another so one of my much. favorites, Savannah, is the guests that we've had. Savannah's been a guest as well. As she said, we've highlighted the states and their organizers so that they can get as much shine as they can and get their voices heard about what's going on. But we've covered the, I mean, the spectrum from heads of states uh, to people who were behind bars calling us from inside solitary confinement. You can find that all here on Abolition Today. Um, And that has been something that we've seen is amazing. Uh, the insight that came to us from our guests. And as you pointed out, Yusuf, early on, the sense of belonging. You're not alone anymore. You know what I mean? Like right now, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. all these people from all over the country and globally are, are down with you now. They, they're part of the fight. We're brothers and sisters, the same way we were during the antebellum period. Absolutely. And, you know, she just touched based on having Mark Charles on, and I had just completely forgotten about that Mark Charles mm-hmm. episode. That was a hell of an episode. The impact. We're talking Tell them who so, it was. For those so that they know. Right. This is uh, season one. We had Mark Charles on. He's, he ran for president on the abolitionist platform. He's from the Navajo Nation, and he's an abolitionist. And just having him on and him getting to the doctrine of discovery and just that history that the Navajo Nation had with the uh, enslavers in this country, just given all of that history, his breakdown and his disdain, <laughs> you know, of uh, President Lincoln was just a history lesson in itself. Just that one episode was just so much rich history. And it also put us in the mindset that, yes, now that we're out here pushing people to vote, rather than having them vote for someone, we're, voting, we're having them vote for something, and that something is the abolition of slavery. That's right. And he is a historical figure. Um, the first person to run on a slavery abolitionist platform since pre-1865. But the first person. Right. And he was a dual citizen who was a Navajo citizen as well as an American citizen. 
Um, and he got on 38 states' ballots. Uh, that was our guy for it. You know, we were put into an impossible condition, position, just like many others were. Do you vote for the man who is personally responsible for uh, the death and destruction of your family and your community? Or do you vote for the openly racist man who is going to be the uh, the instrument of destruction for your people and your community? That was the position we were put in. And there's no way in hell I would cast a vote for Joe Biden. How, how could I possibly do that? He's the architect of modern slavery. He's the reason millions right. and millions of people have vanished and disappeared and died and brutalized. And he has no love for the black community and has said it very clearly throughout most of his, uh, of his career. And I know people will agree, disagree with me on that, but if you do your research, you'll hear it with your own words, with, with his own words. Hell, we played it here on the program with him asking sure what he thinks about you uh, and what he wants to happen to you and your children. Uh, so the, when he recently started talking about how we don't need to defund the police, we need to fund them, give them more money, what else did you expect him to say? You know what I mean? So we went out and we found somebody to run for, who was running for president on an abolitionist platform and brought him on the program, and that was awesome. Uh, the first one to do so since the antebellum period, and certainly not going to be the last. All right. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I'm going to do another track unless anybody has any comments to what we've said so far. All right. So with that being said, when we came on the scene, Yusuf, we was coming out hardcore. Like, we wanted people to understand we're not playing. We're looking at this as real, literal slavery. And we have all the facts and data to back it up to show that this is, in fact, crimes against humanity happening. We were not coming in with no kids' gloves. And another favorite of mine is that there was no sacred cows. And this is the first track <laughs> we played besides our intro. So on episode one, season one, we had kinder, gentler slave catchers. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Yusuf Hassan and Max Parthas. We're celebrating our birthday. We'll be right back after this. Now let's talk about the larger issue here that I think uh, other communities may need to confront. Mayor Giuliani, I want to show you this graphic uh, of the disproportionality of white police forces basically not look like looking like the communities that they serve. I highlighted six here of the most dramatic. This was a Washington Post analysis of census data where basically the proportion of white police officers was much higher than the proportion of the white population. Miami Gardens, Florida, right outside the city of Miami. You see there, El Paso, Texas, Compton, Gary, Indiana, Newark, Detroit. I mean, that's all of those places could become future Ferguson. How, how do you make a police force that looks like the community they serve? Well, I mean, starting with Mayor Koch, Mayor Dinkins, myself, Mayor Bloomberg, and now Mayor de Blasio, we've tried very hard to make the police force in New York City as proportionate as we possibly can. We go out of our way to do that. I think we do a pretty good job, not a perfect job. Uh, but the reality You're not is on this I'm, list, so that's a good thing. Right. <laughs> right, right. I was glad to see that we weren't, by the way. But uh, the fact is, I, I find it very disappointing that you're not discussing the fact that 93% of blacks in America are killed by other blacks. We're talking about the exception here. Well, look, the, the, first the of all, we are talking about a significant exception. 93% of blacks are killed by let me, other let me blacks. Say, let, me, let me respond I would to that. Like to see, I would like to see There's the attention. I'd like to see the attention paid to that 
that you are paying to this and the solutions to that. He's taking up time. Can I say this? First of all, go most ahead. black people who commit crimes against other black people go to jail. Number two, they are not sworn by the police department as a uh, agent of the state to uphold the law. So in both both cases, that's a false equivalency that the mayor has drawn, which is exactly tensions that are deeply embedded in American it's culture. Reason, black people who kill black Mr. people go to jail. Black people who kill black people go to jail. White people who are policemen who kill black people do not go to jail. It's if, hardly, if a jury can indict a ham sandwich, why is it taking so long? Mr. Mayor, let me ask you this. It's the trust it's issue. Hardly, this is a trust hardly, issue. It's hardly insignificant. I didn't say it was insignificant. I said it was out of proportion in your false equivalency, It is the reason for the heavy police presence in the black community. Not at all. Not at all. 93%. The police presence cannot make a distinction between those who are criminals and those who call the police to stop the criminals. What about the poor black child that is killed by another black child? Why don't you people go to jail? I do protest it. I'm a minister. They go to jail. Why don't you talk about the way in which white people down? The so, ability of so why don't you cut it down so so many b white police officers don't have to be in black areas? I they don't have to be. It's a matter of the, the effect how of about the state 70, occupying those forces, sir. How about 70 to 75 percent of the crime in my city? How about your attitude reinforces black the city? problematic? Uh, All right, I think this is a debate. Prevails in the culture, so this how is a about debate. you reduce crime? This is a debate. When I become mayor, I'll do that. White police officers won't be there if you weren't killing each other. Hang on. You should have knew I was coming. Yeah, surprise, nigga. <laughs> you should have knew I was coming. You should have known. Damn. Bitch, you should have knew I was coming. I've been away for a minute, but now that I'm back, you were done with. You knew I was coming. Um, being someone who studied the origins of policing, especially in this standing, that the roots of policing um, are in chattel slavery, and that they have been the 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 origins of policing are in patty rollers, right? And they've been trained to see me and other black people with targets on our backs. I don't think that my goal is not to make kinder slave catchers. Well, there you have it. So that was a trap from season one, episode one, kinder slave catchers. And it was just so much disseminated within that trap. You know, uh, if my recollection is correct, that was an argument between Rudy Giuliani and Van Jones, correct? No, Michael Eric Dyson. Ma Michael Eric Dyson and Rudy Giuliani. Right. And then the was that final comments was Patrice Cullors, the founder of Black Lives Matter, one of the founders. Right. Uh, that was her. Yeah. And the, the background music was... Uh, What's the dude? I forget his name now. Uh, you should have known I was coming. Travel, you know what his name? What's his name, Travel? Travel's like, yeah, I forgot. And I ain't in it. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll think about it during the show. During the show. But yeah, uh, that was some powerful stuff they were saying. This is this was an old conversation when we played it two years ago, right? Uh, on our first episode. But the conversation was between Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, who ended up becoming the president's uh, lawyer, and the guy that is also going through, a, has done all of this damage to the United States. And look at the racism that he had in him then. What was he doing as the mayor? He was feeling the same way as the mayor. Like, you niggas are killing each other. He was using racist right. talking points, uh, like, you know, black on black crime. He didn't, fa he failed to mention that almost the same percentage applies to white people in New York. 
The majority of white people are killed by white people. In Chinatown, guess who's killing people? You only get one guess. Right. You don't get three. <laughs> you know, that's how it works. Whatever <laughs> community you're in, that's who's killing you, you know? But he used the racist white supremacy talking points and had the nerve to tell the preacher man to stop crime. You was the mayor. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Right. He the mayor. You know? <laughs> And his his concern was we don't want our white officers to get killed by you Negroes. You know you Negroes are so dangerous, and we wouldn't have to keep getting killed by you if you just cleaned up your act. That was Giuliani saying that. And you know, since then so much has unfolded from not only Giuliani but New York. Uh, you had officers come out in New York who uh, testified and sued that they were doing quotas. Uh, they were practicing quotas where they were just arresting people on general principle to fill these quotas, mm-hmm. being told to go directly after black and brown communities. They were being told to do this. It's all testified by police. Uh, and at one point, they even went on strike to protest uh, the other mayor, what he was doing to try to curb police brutality and murders in New York. Uh, the one who had a black son, what was his name, Yusuf? De Blasio. De Blasio, right. They went on strike against de Blasio and stopped writing all these tickets. And guess what? New York didn't fall apart, but they did start losing about, I think it was like $14 million a week or more that they were losing yeah, because they weren't collecting these tickets. Right. And they finally got to the point where uh, the, I believe it was the mayor's office or one of these damn high people told them that they had to go back to work or else they were going to get terminated because there was too much money to be losing. All these fines and fees. So it was all a racket. And we heard it right there from Giuliani about the mindset that they were applying to how they dealt with black people in New York. Yusuf? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, just hearing these talking points and it just is you hear it all over social media, all over the all over the place, and none of it is based in fact. It's all based on opinions, you know, uh Gaslighting. Yeah, mm-hmm. no one's coming with official statistics. You know, that's that's the main thing you hear. Everything he said out of his mouth, no, nothing was based in fact. He couldn't say, here is a report. They did a study and this percentage or that percentage, there was no proof, just how they feel. And this is why many of them are running around sort of like lost once they found out that all of the stuff that Trump was feeding them, you know, they're thinking, oh, he's going to take over. He's going to declare martial law. You know, all the stuff that they had, and they realized that it was all lies. And most of the stuff that they're just spewing is just lies. It's not based in fact. It's opinion. And on top of that, there's no counter-narrative. You know, we have a counter-narrative here, but there's no national counter-narrative. When they start talking about black-on-black crime, there's no comparison to black on black crime, you know. So it seems like that that's the only issue. They always say black on black crime. Those are the, their go tos. Whenever whenever you start talking about injustice, you know, police brutality, the first thing they're going to run to is black on black crime. They're going to mention Chicago. They're going to mention Baltimore. You know these code words that they have out there, but they never mention white on white crime. Mm-hmm. They never mention any other race on their own race. And or, we know uh, or nationalities. 
You know, they don't even mention it right. that way. It's just black on black right. crime. It stands alone. Like and there is no other type. <laughs> right. And when you just like you just said, the statistics show that it's the same everywhere. It's the same everywhere. High eighty percent white on white crime. Hispanic on Hispanic. Asian on Asian. We actually have an organization here in Ohio called Black on Black Crime here in Cleveland. So what do they do? Just get out there and try to be as loud as they can be. Actually, we have a, I'm not going to drop any names because it's the same person that kind of tries to sabotage me every year. Uh, But she does run with uh, Black Lives Matter here in Cleveland and Black on Black Crime. But, like, now she's resorted it. Black on Black Crime is the new KKK, Kings Killing Kings. Which you know, the more the more hated or ha- more hate you put into it, mm-hmm. the further away from the solution you're gonna get, right? Right. So it's just it's funny to me, and like with you guys talking about actually that um, clip that you guys just played about you know the mayor, our mayor here in Cleveland called those who were killed by police their family members tragedy pimps because we supported issue 24. Mm. Now this was a, a black mayor mm-hmm. calling black families. Mm-hmm. Tragedy pimp. Wow. Um, yeah, and he was against the issue 24. Luckily, this year we we got justice. What was in. issue 24? Uh, that was the real police accountability bill. Okay. Um, it's just these, these are the type of mayors who would issue an order to bomb entire communities. Right. Well, and that's what this mayor was doing with his own family. Like his, if you if you Google Frank Mayor Jackson or Mayor Frank Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, his grandson was involved in a lot of crime here in Cleveland, and I truly believe that the heartless felon was originated from Frank Jackson and his family, which is the biggest gang right now in the prison system. Mm. But yeah, if you, I mean, it's it's crazy if you just Google him. All of just yeah, I see all the all these articles right here about him. Yeah, it's horrible. But that mm. kind of gave me a flashback of the last mayor. <laughs> On that one. So they call them tragedy pimps. Tragedy pimps. Huh. There's an article about it. I'll have to pull it too. In the city I come from, we've had mayors go to prison over and over again. As a matter of fact, that's one of the main reasons I got the hell up out of New Jersey because I helped your boy Jerry Torres. Your boy yeah. Jerry Torres is in the news again. Oh no. In the news again. Uh, it's like the sixth mayor in Patterson, New Jersey, to go to prison for corruption. So to be in charge of corruption. Uh, when it, when I was there, they were doing it with the new uh, Patterson Jail, turning it into a for-profit industry and giving out all of these no-big contracts to all their buddies and stuff like that. And it was my family and my community that were the commodity that they had to go out and get to fill up these damn prisons and, or that jail to make the money that they're making on it now. So, yeah, these mayors are something else. The sheriffs, too, uh, we've shown before how sheriffs right now uh, 90% of them are white, first of all, which is a big problem. Only 2% are women. Uh, I believe 5% mm-hmm. are black, uh, and the remainder are uh, Hispanic. Uh, so that's a big issue with the sheriffs. Even the police department, the same thing. is top-heavy with white people. It's like 70% white people in the police department nationwide. You can't really get any kind of justice in a racial way when all you've got is this one-sided lawmaker, lawkeeper, lawgivers law uh, enforcers going on 
you know, even up to the prosecutors who make up, what is it, uh, 83% of them are white men and 95% are white. Like, even the prosecutors, right. everywhere you look, you're controlling our lives and our deaths uh, in this way through this assembly line of blood and bone. <clears throat> Yusuf, or anyone else? We definitely need All more right. diversity everywhere. <laughs> well, I don't even know if diversity is the answer because neo-slavery has black people enslaving black people. We just talked about that with Rikers Island, you know what I mean? And races will point at Rikers Island and go, well, most look like ours over there are black, but they only represent a very small community in the national uh, numbers. So nationwide, they're just a small, very small percentage, and they're doing it for a freaking paycheck. Uh, we showed how much they're being paid in Rikers Island over there uh, to do what they're doing. It's amazing what you can get for a few dollars, right? <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. And as I said before, this program, this episodic program, uh, we consider it a master class on slavery abolition, and we stay on point with the present and the past and bringing them together with the future. But we're also go outside the box. And one of my proudest moments was being a participant in uh, the testimonies given in the, my home state of New Jersey. My wife did, Brother Yusuf did, Dennis Siebel, and many others. And we've been doing this all across the country. So let's revisit that. Revisit, revisit that. Uh, slavery's back in effect in New Jersey and Tennessee's testimonies. Max Mix from 2021 with a bunch of us speaking. I think you'll enjoy it. What do you think, Yusuf? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, man. You can hear the passion in this in this one. You're listening to Abolition Today with Max Parsons and Yusuf Hassan. We're joined by many guests and callers today on our anniversary. Abolition. 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 Because it doesn't do anything, one way or the other, I would urge my colleagues to blue light this resolution. I'll be voting no. I just think it's ultimately fake history that the 1870 Constitution allowed slavery. It does do something. Because there's a difference between the word working and slavery. I've worked. I have never been a slave. That's a clear distinction. I'm proposing to close a loophole that has an exception for slavery for those who are duly convicted of a crime. And that's a strong message we can send as a state. Now, I'm a non-lawyer, and most of my voters are non-lawyers. And I can't explain this amendment in words they can understand. I don't understand it. And the Constitution is too sacred to clutter up with a lot of it. Stuff that non-lawyers can't explain to other non-lawyers, so I, I guess I'll be voting no. What we are proposing is slavery and involuntary servitude are forever prohibited, period. Those who are incarcerated can still have a job, like in the kitchen or the library. I would really ask that we, as a Senate, as a body, close this loophole. I-26, four days, is adopted. Hello, my name is Dennis Fibo, Rastavara Insights here in the state of New Jersey, working with incarcerated population. I've been doing so for the past eight years. I'm one of the organizers for Amendment 13 in the state of New Jersey. Uh, we are a collaborative that is looking to add anti-slavery language to the New Jersey Constitution. New Jersey ratified the 13th Amendment, the last state in the Union to do so in 1866, and did not completely fully ratify the 13th Amendment by not inscribing it into the New Jersey Constitution. We are asking as the people in New Jersey, for those of us that fight for freedom and the, the fight of our ancestors, that New Jersey add the language and yet remove what's called the exception clause, something designed in 1777 by the state of Vermont and it has spread throughout time to go from 
slavery to Jim Crow, segregation to mass incarceration. The 13th Amendment is the first law to inscribe institutionalized racism and classism by creating a sub-status of a human being in the United States of America where we lose access to human and civil rights. Section 4 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights states slavery is abolished in all of its forms. The state of New Jersey and the United States of America are out of compliance. My name is Yusuf Hassan, and I'm, as a former member of, or former resident of Patterson and Jersey City, I'm speaking in favor of ATR 145. The 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution abolished chattel slavery, except as punishment for a crime. 21 states have identical language within their state constitutions. As a result of these exception clauses, those who were convicted were forced into labor through convict leasing where the incarcerated were leased out by force to private corporations who would exploit their labor by paying them little or nothing while the company's taking millions and billions in revenue. My name is Max Parthas, co-director for the Abolish Slavery National Network. I was born and raised in the first ward of Patterson. I'm here in support of ACR 145, the Slavery Abolition Bill. Slavery is a globally recognized crime against humanity, which should not be codified into law under any circumstances. If New Jersey is subject to a federal amendment, which allows a crime against humanity to be legally practiced, we must provide constitutional protections for its citizens from said law. My name is Laura Saha. I'm a member of the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center and the Abolish Slavery National Network. I stand before you as a native of North New Jersey, a person of diaspora, an African American, a Shinnecock Indian, and a slavery abolitionist. I also stand before you adding my voice to the voices of my people, all of my people, long-suffering men, women, and children who have been denied dignity, equality, humanity, and most of all, the sweet breath of freedom promised to them by the 13th Amendment. Chris Gaston. Yes, hello, good afternoon. Um, once again, uh, I just want to say thank you uh, to Assemblywoman McKnight and um, the leadership, you know, at the stage, uh, Chair Sumter, Vice Chair Timberlake, and just everyone for this revolution every day. Um, early in the day, we spoke about PCRBs, and now we're uh, focusing on um, amending the 13th Amendment. And so, you know, this morning, you know, I just feel like an abolitionist right now. I just feel in the same vein as John Brown, Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass. And, um, you know, this fight right now is in New Jersey, right? The New Jersey didn't finish the deal, you know, and uh, the gradual, the, uh, you know, the weight, you know, trying to appease the South uh, has caused us to create a whole caste system, whereas prison industrial complex was created. And so... Um, it's very important for this to be on the November ballot. Uh, it's very important for, you know, for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, um, it, it tells corporations, you know, you can't, you know, uh, exploit uh, prison labor, you know, to make millions. It's uh, selling people like Walmart, Walmart, Wendy, Donald, Victoria's Secret. You know, um, it tells the rest of the world that, you know, you're going to have to divest in the prison industrial complex because, you know, you can't, um, you know, uh, utilize slave labor like that. 
Um, so it's very important for us to stand with states all throughout this country who, who have done so already, Colorado, Rhode Island, Nebraska, Utah, um, and to really um, take this fight nationally. Um, so, you know, because it takes three-fourths of uh, states to ratify um, and to change the Constitution. So we're starting right here in New Jersey. It's a beautiful day. It's just a great look. This is an easy win. This is an easy victory because, you know, everyone in New Jersey can, uh, you know, be abolitionists. Abolition. 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 Wow, I wanted more, Max. I wanted more. I know, right? Man, it just brings back memories, man. Uh, great backing track on that. That's uh, Sister Soldier Slavery Back in the Fact, that classic hip-hop track. And then uh, just the testimonies from New Jersey and Tennessee. And, man, we really did the thing for that, man. We really did the thing. Uh, I think each of us spoke for about three minutes, three to five minutes or something, and we just one behind the other. We just were swinging baseball bats in, in those, uh, in those strings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, uh, they killed that bill by a gag rule, the same tactic they used in the antebellum period. Uh, they simply mm-hmm. would not schedule it for a hearing. But Brother Dennis Febo, along with uh, Representative Angela McKnight, got it put back in, and it's now ACR 125, and it could potentially make it to the November ballot again. Uh, so shout out to Amend the 13th New Jersey, getting the damn thing done. Right. That's Do right. And I believe that. I was going to say, I believe that's the same issue they're having here in Ohio, as uh, yep. Gene had explained a few weeks ago. And I think it's one other state we have that issue with. Isn't that correct? Uh, it's happening in most states. Uh, pressure, uh, we're able to get many of them through. Uh, if it wasn't for this gag rule, we'd have as many as a dozen on the ballot this year already, with maybe six or eight already abolished. Uh, but they don't even allow us to get to the voting stage. Uh, they, the Whoever's in charge of a committee feels like he's the king of the world or she's the king of the world, and they can uh, just decide what the voters need to vote on and what they don't need to vote on. Sickening, ain't it? Yes, we very much so. What? You know, mm-hmm. just even when they go, so I remember when uh, ACA3, was uh, going to be having the public hearings, and it was like number forty-one on the on the uh, agenda that day. Right, like and abolish the slavery, slavery, number forty-one. Yeah, the forty-first most important issue in the state. <laughs> wow, in a state with the largest carceral system in the world, right? <laughs> right, yeah. and it was number forty-one. <laughs> wow. Exactly, bro. Uh, my man said, I feel like an abolitionist. And I think anybody listening to that could say the same thing. If you're listening to this program, you're like, yeah, that's one of those magic moments when you do feel like an abolitionist, like you're walking in the footsteps of the ancestors. And he concluded with, everyone in New Jersey can be slavery abolitionists. Every state's got a bill could say that. This whole country can say that now. You can all be slavery abolitionists. You can be great. This could be the great generation that finally ended slavery and made our ancestors proud. And then we could talk about putting their faces on money. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> you went there. Exactly. And so we have a, another caller on the line, and we want to bring them in. Uh, 6285, you're on Abolition Today with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan and a host of other callers and listeners. Uh, welcome to the show, 6285. Hi guys, this is Jeanette Smith. How are you guys? Hey Jeanette. Hey Jeanette. <laughs> Happy anniversary. I'm Thank so you proud of you guys. Thank you so much. So, so proud. And so proud to be just a small part of it. Y'all have to excuse me, I've got allergies and my voice sounds funny. I hope everybody can understand me. But what? I we did, did want to call in and, and just say how just so proud I am of you guys and everything that you're doing and how I didn't I didn't even know about this until um, the 13th Amendment or that slavery was still in effect until the Charleston shooting, uh, the uh, Mother Emanuel Church. And uh, Matt came on, my friend Tony, who is a USC DJ, came on to talk about the Confederate flag, and Max started talking about slavery abolition. On the moment I heard Max speak, I have never in my life thought, I have to talk to that person. I have to talk to that person. I was yeah, the best penalty opponent and had done, I had done activism with, with against the death penalty. And I knew about prisons and I knew about, you know, um, racial injustice and things like that. But I'm ashamed to say I was stupid about this 13th Amendment. I thought that it meant if you went to prison, you might have to cut the grass or work in the uh, laundry or uh, cook, clean the dorms. That's what I thought it meant. And when Max started talking and I realized and then I I had known about private prisons, and I, I just I couldn't let go of it. And I, um, I have a lot of health issues, so I can't do a whole lot. But uh, Max will give me some things to do so I can feel helpful, and I'm grateful. And um, I'm just really proud to know you guys, and I, I love the show. The show is wonderful. And some of them, uh, I, I can't even tell you what. My my most favorite show would be because I'm always saying, I think this is my favorite show because you guys will do <laughs> such week. a good show that that I'm always doing that. And um, so I will say some that I really did like were the Queen Mother and uh, like Frederick Douglass's um, grandson, Harriet Tubman's grandniece, uh, Queen Mother. Did I say that? And yeah. um, at Mark Charles, and I wanted to vote for Mark Charles, and I had fractured my wrist uh, about six weeks before that, and I couldn't do anything for myself. I had big casts. I had to stay at my mom's house, and I had, and so I drove or had my daughter drive me so that I could vote for Mark Charles, and they would not let me write in in South Carolina. You can't write in a candidate, and I was mad and threw a fit and had them calling people, and they said, no, in South Carolina, that's not allowed. So I really like the Mark Charles. But some of the other uh, real quick favorite moments were when you guys went to 
Sacramento with the March on for Voting Rights. That was that was powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and getting to hear, I always love when I get to hear Max, and especially Tribal, because I don't get to hear her that much. And Yusuf did a great job, and he didn't think he was going to, but all of you guys did it. And Jamelia, and and just that was really, really, really great. And um, also, I I don't know Jamelia or Samuel, but I felt kind of like I did because I'd heard about him. So I watched the whole thing when he got out of prison, and I cried. I just cried. And um, those, those were some favorite moments. And I'm proud of everything you guys are doing. I know you. And uh, just keep up the good work. And I'll keep trying to do my little part, which I'm not doing such a great job tonight because I can't find some things. But you celebrate today, right along with the rest of the team. It's That's a, right. It's our That's right. right. And I'm we not even getting any of the cake. So. <laughs> yeah. We end up in the terrible twos. We got but to I don't know what that beeping is happening. Is that my phone? Anyway, I'm 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 know you all and and I said to you Max one time before that if I had a chance to not know this like ignorance is bliss would I want that because it's so horrible and I wouldn't I, I I'm glad that I that I know it it is horrible but I'm glad that I know it and that I can try some small part to stop it. That's it. And you've done what many others don't do, and that's take responsibility for what you know. Um, don't choose yeah. willful and ignorance. And I've learned a lot. Don't, don't let um, cognitive dissonance beat you down to the point where you accept a lie because it's more comfortable. Face the truth. What did Baldwin say, Yusuf? Uh, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed unless it is faced. Face. So let's mm-hmm. face it, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I I do, uh, and it's it's depressing sometimes, but it but it's also uplifting when when things happen, like when removed slavery language, and I see things happening, and I see people. When I first started doing it, the only thing I used to drive a cab, and the only thing I could do was I would get people that were captive audience, and I'd start telling them about it. I would tell everybody I know. And that was all I could do, and a lot of people didn't know, and now so many people do. Yep. And just we seeing have, uh, that change is great. Opened a lot of eyes. Yusuf explained to me not too long ago that, that I think it was Yusuf, no, with Dennis, I'm sorry. Dennis explained to me not too long ago how he was talking to some people about this issue, and he saw the light come on in their eyes. And I've seen that many mm-hmm. times myself. I know that moment. Yeah. It's the moment of truth. You now know. Yeah. Now, where do you do? Where, where, where do you go? What do you do? And I, I, it's a right. pattern a lot of people follow. The first thing they do is they get very upset. You can literally go through all five stages of grief with when you realize this is this, the truth. This is what's happening. Um, but the first thing they want to do is something about it. And so they say, what are we going to do? <laughs> Let's do this. And then they start coming up with ideas on what to do. It's a rare occasion when someone says, has anybody already done anything, and how can I help them? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a rare occasion. You right. see, they act like they're the only one on earth that know. <laughs> and you just hope yeah, them, and, you know and, I mean? and I would challenge people, you know, to ask someone, hey, what can I do to help? 
you know, even if even if you're like, oh God, I got so much going on in my life and I feel horrible and I I really feel like I felt that way before. I feel depressed. I don't feel like I can listen to this anymore. And and but but I came back. I got hurt and I was like, no no, got to go back. And when I did, I was glad that I did and I felt like, yeah, I was meant to come back. So people ask, just ask somebody, how can I help? And even if it's a small thing, they all add up. And I don't have any money, and I don't have any money, but anybody that's listening that has any money, you guys can donate some money to them because it takes money to do this. She ain't kidding, man. Uh, and we talk about <laughs> some real money. We need some real money. Um, just the California Abolition Act alone needs about $50 million. Texas needs about oh, 20 to $40 million. Uh, to get their mm-hmm. campaign done. We're talking about huge states where the uh, opposition is has unlimited funds, and we've got to educate people, we've got to inspire people, and get them out to vote uh, for these issues, and that is not cheap. Uh, we've managed to do it now in four states with uh, a shoestring and a prayer, but that was before we became enemy number one. <laughs> we're like, oh, we know what you're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna stay now they're going to pull out the money. So, yeah, so anybody who's got point. any out there, give it up a little bit. Give it up I, a little, I every, don't, so I, so I do some work. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any money, but <laughs> well, they need money. As, as I always say, we got I don't God know what's going on. I can hear a beat. But first uh, three, that's all I got. All right. And, and, uh, and I'm going to get back to try, trying to find stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Jeanette. Anybody else okay. want to comment right. before the next track? No, go ahead, Max. All right. Um, this is one that you was hitting me to, to make sure I played. Uh, it's Maya yeah. Angelou reading uh, the abolitionist Francis Ellen Harper's poetry. And that's mixed with the slave market and a news clip about Clinton Correctional Facility, the backstory of that. And then it concludes with Oscar Brown Jewett. Oscar Brown Jr. <laughs> May he rest in peace with bitter men. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. It's our anniversary, and we're celebrating. Uh, I'm here with Brother Yusuf Hassan. I'm Max Barthes. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. Bitter men, get them in. The sale began. This poem is called The Slave Auction. It was written by Francis Ellen Watkins Harper a black lady poet writing in the 1850s. This was after she had seen an auction. The sale began. Young girls were there, defenseless in their wretchedness, whose stifled sobs and deep despair revealed the anguish of their breast. And women stood with streaming eyes and saw their dearest children sold. Unheeded rose their bitter cries as tyrants bartered them for gold. And men whose sole crime was their hue, the impress of their maker's hand, and small and trembling children, too, were gathered in that mournful band. And women with their love and truth for those in sable forms do dwell, gazed on the lovers of their youth 
with anguish none may paint nor tell. You who have laid your loves to rest and wept above that lifeless clay know not the anguish of the breast whose loves are rudely torn away. The sale began. Get him in, get him in. This is in the north country of New York. It is very sparsely populated, only about 25 miles from the Canadian border and full of a lot of woods and a few scattered homes and hunting cabins, lots of places to hide out. In fact, it's so far north and so cold so much of the time, many of the inmates refer to this prison as Little Siberia. It's separated from the outside world by a 60-foot wall, and the world inside can be a very harsh place. Starts with the inmates. Look at the numbers on all of this. There are about 2,000 inmates inside the main prison there. 90% of them are in for violent crimes. That is a high number, and it's the biggest prison in the state. The median age also matters here, because look at that. 39, and the median minimum sentence, 14 years. All of this is a formula formula for very potential violence in this area. Beyond that, there's more. The racial makeup really counts here. The vast majority of these inmates are black or Latino, three quarters of them, and yet with more than 900 corrections officers here, only a very tiny sliver or anything other than white officers. Five in one recent survey were Latino. Everybody else is white. Again, possibly a cause for tension when you look at the whole situation, and they have had tension here before. Three quarters of the inmates in a recent survey by an inmates advocacy group said that they have been subjected to racial harassment. Beyond that, they say that fights are common and the suicide rate is actually quite high here, one of the highest in the state, high among a lot of prisons. So Anderson, all of that adds up to a place that is a very difficult place for any inmate to live. And, and Tom, basically the, much of the economy in the region relies on this prison, right? Yeah, that's why it's so hard to fix all of this, because this has been here since the 1800s, and this whole town out here, four to 5,000 people, absolutely rely on the jobs connected to this prison, and there are other towns up in New York that have a very similar equation. So every time they talk about maybe taking it down or moving it or changing it in some substantial way, local politicians will say, look, there are going to be a lot of jobs lost here, and that makes meaningful change very difficult despite a troubled history. Get him in, get him in. The sale began. The
She's good in the field, she can sew and cook. Strip her down, Roy, let the gentleman look. She's full up front and ample behind. Examine her teeth if you got a man. Bid them in, get them in. Here's a bit of three from a man who's thrifty. Three twenty-five, can I hear three fifty? Your money ain't earning you much in the bank. Turn around, Roy, let them look at her flanks. Bid them in. Three fifty's bid, and I'm looking for four. At four hundred dollars, she's a bargain show. Four is the bid, four fifty. Five, five hundred dollars now, look alive. Bid them in, get them in. Don't mind them tears, that's one of her tricks. Five fifths bid, and who'll say six? She's healthy and strong and well equipped. Make a fine lady's maid when she's properly whipped. Bid them in. Six, six fifty, don't be slow. Seven is the bid, gonna let her go. At seven, she's going, going, gone. Pull her down, Roy, bring the next one on. Bid them in, get them in, bid them in. The seal began. Abolition. Abolition. So you just heard Maya Angelou reading Abolitionist Francis Ellen Harper's The Slave Market. Well, she read Abolitionist Francis Ellen Harper. Then you heard The Slave Market, and you actually heard a live prison auction, as well as the backstory behind Clinton Correctional Facility in New York, and the auction by Oscar Brown Jr., bit him in. It was a lot going on in that track, Max, but Man. it all tied in just hearing and, and listening to Oscar's poem again. And I'm sitting here, you know, talking to Gina and just like, man, listen to how they are describing this little girl. Thanks. It was just really crazy, like, uh, you know, look at her face is, is you know, home, like basically calling her ugly but said, you know, look at her body and she'll be a good breeder for you. And this is how they were really treating us and still treat us to this day. You know, when we look at, uh, we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when we talked about all of these uh, black beauty queens now. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago. But uh, that auction, and he says, you know, you'll have an unlimited supply of product coming through here. He he described the people who were going to be housed there, he described them as product. And that ties mm-hmm. into when we're always talking about warehousing bodies. Yeah, it's about property. Just having these bodies in here gives you your product. It gives you your value. That's how you're going to make your money back. Yeah, uh, that was one of those Max mixes where there's a story there in music and poetry. Uh, all of the people you heard in poetry are our ancestors now. They have passed on. Oscar Brown, Maya Angelou, right. uh, Francis Ellen Harper. So we're paying homage and respect to them, of course, by bringing their voices out for other generations to hear. And the way it all tied together from the 1800s uh, with Francis Ellen Harper up till the current as you mentioned, auction. You heard them actually auction off a prison with your own ears using as a selling point the fact that it's going to be filled by people all the time. And whatever products or services you're providing, you'll have a steady supply of people to work there for you. And this was a prison selling point in an auction, and it began with $6 million. What kind of person wouldn't want to invest in that if you don't have any moral structures or you could care less about what happens to people in there or if you have this general idea that everybody else has that 
don't do the crime if you can't do the time, <laughs> you know, as if nobody ever gets arrested or railroaded for nothing, as if there is race-based uh, a system out there where 90% of the sheriffs are white, 95% of the prosecutors are white, 70% of the police are white. Like, that, that's not out there happening, right? And they wouldn't just use their hate, vitriol, and racism to just target you in your community. That doesn't happen. But, you know, it all came together. Uh, the news report, where they talked about the prison, they exposed themselves. And that's one of the things that is signature for this program. We let them tell you what they're doing in their own voices. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You hear it from the horse's mouth in here. So they were breaking down this prison and how it's from the 1800s, built in the 1800s, and still today is a major revenue generator. And it's too big to fail. And 90% of the people in there are violent criminals. Man, I feel sad for those 10% who are not. Uh, imagine what they must be going through. Highest suicide right. rate in there, you know. Uh, but, yeah, and then finishing it off with Oscar Brown Jr., again, driving it right home. What you heard in the past from Maya Angelou and Francis Ellen Harper is exactly what's happening right now. The difference is electricity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's we got electricity now And some of these places Act like they don't Like in Texas where they right. go through tortures Because they don't have AC or fans Or lights or gas Or anything <laughs> Running water Right Because we yeah, know man. just a few years ago That they had the uh, the uprising In the Oklahoma prison And they were like you know, our water has been off for four days, and we haven't been able to shower in weeks. And that, been we're at- actually getting ready to condemn one of our prisons here in Ohio, London Correctional Institution. They mm-hmm. condemned, it was to the point where the correctional officers were like, we're not working in this block. So they had no choice but to shut it down, move the incarcerated people to other prisons. And um, we just got word recently that they're getting ready to condemn the whole prison. Now, let's just hope they don't try to rebuild it, because you best believe we'll be out there every freaking day. Yeah, that's the plan. It generates money. You know what I mean? They want to build new prisons and rebuild old prisons like in Alabama where they are taking $2 billion because no bank would finance their prisons. They're taking $2 billion from the COVID relief funds in order to build new prisons in a state that has 200% occupancy and the vast majority, like 70-80% of their inmates are black. Uh, So yeah, somebody, what's that song by Brother Shez? Uh, somebody got to build the walls. Somebody got to make the bricks. Somebody got to lay the electric in the pipes. You know what I mean? Right. It's an economic development oh, program. Man, I have to get to bring Chase in on this, man. Yeah, Chase. <laughs> I know. He, I had him in there, but he didn't make he didn't make the cut. I didn't get get to get him up. But I'm giving. You know what, Jay? If you're listening, I got you on the next episode. I'm gonna make sure you make it next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, man, corporate America. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, that's so a signature piece. Call, man. We absolutely have to bring this brother in, Max. All right. You know this. this yeah, this this brother is just so uh, instrumental to our program. He's an avid listener. Uh, he's brought in. Some of, made the connections for us to get some of our most powerful guests that we've had on, uh, none other than Sean Darling, man. Welcome to the program. Sean, you may be muted. 
he ain't muted. He's dumbfounded. He's like, wow, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you there, Sean? We're going to leave your mic open whenever you're ready. Sorry, yeah, I just wanted me to thank you. <laughs> oh, there you are. <laughs> hey, what's up, hey, Max? How you doing? I think hey, you're right. I think, I think I've missed many episodes. It's just because um, the information that you provide, like um, some of the things I learned when I was in college years ago, and like you definitely helped me put things together that I didn't see as I was learning things. So it's for me, it's like a, a growth process, you know. And um, I think one of my favorite episodes was on um, the hypocrite's glass house, um, where the United <laughs> States is trying to lecture the world. You know, even even right now, you know. Um, Everyone's you know talking about you know Russia and Ukraine, but you know, which is obviously horrible. But you know, like what about what's happening here and what's happened here for centuries? You know, so um, definitely something I keep in the back of my mind. You know, or number actually forty-two on the, front on of my the mind. list. What's that? Number forty-two on the list. That's what Yusuf was talking about earlier. Like they put, yeah. us, they put slavery and genocide on the back burner. We can deal with that later. Mm-hmm. And the whole notion of who, whose appeal gets heard in the in, in the international arena, you know, there's been multiple appeals over the centuries. You know, help us, help us. You know, like to, you know, um, but it seems that you know to to get muted when something else is happening, or people would rather have something else to look to than you know face what's happening here and what's happening for centuries. So, you know, definitely like the the international aspect, like the global aspect. Um, I didn't realize. Um, to listening to Max about how um, Africa, different countries in Africa are, you know, pretty much being colonized, you know, by these um, these companies, prison companies, you know, and what happens away happens here. So to make those connections, like, it's, just, it's, it's mind-blowing, <laughs> you know, so I'm glad we're, we're having an international impact as well. Yes, very much in the same way that Vermont, when they introduced the very first exception in 1777, it was later exploited by places like Louisiana and Alabama and South Carolina to very extreme conditions, right? The same thing has occurred globally now. In our own lifetimes, we watched slavery go global with these for-profit private prisons that were introduced along with the Clinton crime bill in 1994, one of them being the GEO group, which was whacking her corrections and now is a global uh, franchise all over the world. They run entire prison systems across entire nations, like in uh, in Australia, is all run by the GEO group. They ran Guantanamo Bay, uh, where people were being held for, well, now they're being held for $13 million a year. That's how much it costs to house somebody in Guantanamo, $13 million a year. Uh, so, yeah, man, uh, it has spread across the globe. And what you talked about with Africa is G4S. G4S was just bought by another company, so they even got bigger. But at the time the information came out, G4S was the largest private employer on the entire continent of Africa with something like 150,000 employees across like 30-some-odd uh, countries. Uh, and it's a prison company, the largest employer in black nations. So is um is GS is G four S sorry is that American and British is that or is that correct or? Um, they are closely tied to the Geo Group. It's like the European arm of the American company, the Geo Group, but they pretend to be separate. Although they have Geo Group has a lot of investments in G four S, 
uh, and G4S is also a securities company. So like Blackwater and those private armies, uh, they've got the largest standing army of any non-governmental force in the world right now. I think it's like 8,000 soldiers that they have in uh, G4S. Wow. Yeah, it's a beast, and we created it <laughs> here in America right. with this too big to fail crap about how you these prisons from the 1800s are still economic development programs for your communities, and you're selling people on the open market and in auctions as the point of buying a prison. Why should I buy that prison? Oh, people are going to be in it all the time, guaranteed on contract, and I can force them to work for free. Without any oversight, none of that pesky OSHA stuff, <laughs> you know, no days off, mm-hmm. none of that. And then nobody better talk to me about babysitter problems because we don't have those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, Max, we're getting short on time and we got to get our right. girl in. Who's that? To. You know who our girl is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got I to hear that gotta one, too. We got to get our girl in, man. <laughs> uh, I got to hear that one, too, man. Um, this is both Yusuf and I's, one of our favorite uh, tracks on here. It's high energy. It, we put it together during an episode where we were comparing all of the abolitionists to superheroes. Um, just go ahead and listen to it, and we'll tell you what it, who it was on the back end. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org, with Max Parsons and Yusuf Hassan and all of our guests and supporters. We'll be right back after this. Abolition, Abolition. Abolition. How dare you come to St. Louis and say you got the back of that lousy bitch, State's Attorney Kim Gardner. She is just like you. That's why birds of a feather, bitches. That's what you are. You hate cops, you hate white people, you do everything you can to give all the blacks who are criminals every benefit of the doubt, and everybody else is suspect. Black lives only matter when a white person takes it. You blacks can kill each other all you want. In fact, I think that's the grand solution. We need to start driving around the ghettos and just dropping boxes of bullets on every street corner. Let them take each other out. Things were much better in this world, in this country, when everybody stayed in their own goddamn neighborhood by dusk. There's only one thing worse than a badass, empowered black woman. That's a badass, empowered black woman who's got public reins in her hands. If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton. How many rounds of ammunition does it take to kill a solitary alien? Once to the body, pops twice to the cranium. It's been 20 years since humanity gave up. Letting these alien freaks take over and enslave us. Used to be scared of us. Now they want to bury us. We are the resistance. Move. Security area. We used to be in the shadows, but now we're ready for war. Retaliation is the key, so we got to settle the score. XCOM. We neutralize the enemy The last line of defense against tyranny The advent's a bunch of punk signing treaties We got a turn-based strategy to battle these ETs Loading cock and hold us fight Throw a bomb and go and pop it No more plotting, we about to get into position We know they watching, no more talking We not falling, we not stopping Guns are popping, bodies dropping We are the resistance Loading cock and hold us fight Throw a bomb and go and pop it No more plotting, we about to get into position We know they watching, no more talking We not falling, we not stopping Guns are popping, Everybody's dropping, we are the resistance Meet up at the rendezvous, yeah you better run fast Get into 
position and get ready for a bloodbath. These genetic freaks think that they can use me. Pull out the blade, now we sectoid sushi. Hit him with a missile, yeah, we got him shaking now. Don't stop till hostiles are taken down. Serpentine soldiers, guns out the holster. If they get a hold of you, knock them off the shoulder. Fire in the hole, baby, we about to blow the roof up. Time is running out, maybe we ought to start a shootout. Keep blasting, no matter if you hit them or not. Cause the sharpshooter will hit them with a critical shot. If you run out of ammo, then tag them with a melee. We got them running, probably got them hollering, made it. A human that fights back, oh yeah, it does exist. The Advent Coalition can kiss my butt exist. Loading cock and hold a spot, throw a bomb and go and poppin'. No more plotting, we about to get into position. No, they watching, no more talking, we not falling, we not stopping. Guns are popping, bodies dropping, we are the resistance. Loading cock and hold a spot and throw a bomb and go and poppin'. No more plotting, we about to get into position. We know they watching, no more talking, we not falling. We're not stopping, just a popping, body dropping. We are the resistance. When you're talking about waging war on police, let's talk about being accountable and making we sure we deal with the, the 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 issues we're talking about right now that led to the unfortunate death of Mr. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, Orlando Castillo, resistance. Mike Brown, and many others. Abolition. 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 I don't even know where to start, Max. <laughs> We ain't got a lot of time for it, though. We got like three, four minutes, so yeah. Yeah, so that's why I'll let the wordsmith handle that one. Um, That was a racist rant sent to Baltimore State Attorney Marilyn Mosby. Uh, It was about uh, Attorney General Kim Garner. Now, people felt they could just say this on audio and send messages to, like, the the black unicorns of prosecution, because there's maybe six black female prosecutors in the whole country, and they decided they, this is what they could say to them. And that was followed by XCOM 2, We Are the Resistance from Nerd Out, which is, man, that track could be having me going, how many shots does it take to kill a solitary alien? Because, you know, that's how they acted. Like, there's some kind of alien being that want to control everybody and everything, and you own us, and you could just say whatever you want. So, of course, it was finished off by Attorney General Kim Garner herself. But this is what you get from the abolition today. Uh, it's why we stand out. Yusuf? Yeah. And, you know, so I just, I just want to thank everybody that's been here from, whether you've been here from day one or you just tuned in tonight for the first time. We're just thankful for the support, and we pray that you continue to come back, you know, and Keep the pressure on us. If you ever hear us slipping, make sure you tell us, look, no, y'all flipping, you know, or fact check us. We want people to do that as well. We want people to challenge us. You know, I've always put out the challenge that if you can point to a time in history when black people had a great relationship with the police department, teach me. I want to learn that because my saying is that we've never had a great relationship. They've always been the slave catchers. That's been their experience with us the entire time. So I just, uh, you know, thank all the callers, all of the people who checked in this evening, our avid supporters. Uh, they're deeply involved in the movement themselves. Uh, we want to thank our uh, sponsors and partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the I Am We Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, Sema Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, 
and the Abolish Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash abolition today. That page has all the news, information, and music you hear on this program. Abolition Today is also available on all major podcast platforms. Uh, remember to join the movement at ab- uh, abolishslavery.us to become part of the solution. You can also text end the exception, all one word, no spaces, to 52886 and follow the prompts. This will send a signed petition on your behalf to your congressional reps in support of the proposed 28th Amendment to repeal and replace the exception clause to the 13th Amendment. I'll bring you back. Let me let me introduce this one because I want to say some oh, thank yous too. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just want to thank our callers uh, for reaching out and letting us know that you have had some. We've made these positive impacts in your lives as well as around you that you could see and feel and touch and something to believe in because, you know, we got to have a foundation of truth. Thank you to my wonderful wife, always being there to support, of course, and uh, especially our team members, Sharon and Jeanette Smith, who are not sisters, by the way, at least not in blood. <laughs> and thank you to all of the uh, listeners. We had a, a board full today. Uh, we appreciate you. Come back next week, of course, uh, to hear more. And in the very near future, we're going to be doing a special on the Sugarland 95. Uh, in the meantime, let's take it out by once more honoring our ancestors, as well as recognizing the uh, strength and uh, dedication of the women in history. This is a segment of Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs. And it's performed by Sharita Armstrong. That's going to be followed by Janelle Monet, Turntables in our Bridging the Gaps segment this evening. Make sure you check us out at abolitiontoday.org. Until next week, peace. Peace. Abolition. 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 There is in the neighborhood a young colored carpenter, a freeborn man. We've known each other since childhood, and we frequently meet together. We've become mutually attached, and he proposes to marry me. I love him. But when I think that I am a slave, and that the Lord's give no sanction to a marriage of such, oh, my heart just sinks within me. My love, he, he wants to buy me, but I know that Dr. Flint is too, too willful and arbitrary a man to consent to that arrangement. When Dr. Flint learns of my wish to be married, he summons me. So, you want to be married, do you, and do a free nigger? Yes, sir. Well, I'll soon show you whether I'm your master or that nigger fellow you honor so highly. If you must have a husband, you may take up with one of my slaves. Don't you suppose, sir, that a slave can have some preference about marrying? Do you suppose that all men are alike to her? Do you love this nigger? Yes, sir. How dare you tell me so? (gasps) He, He springs upon me like a tiger and gives me a stunning blow. It is the first time he has ever struck me, and my fear does not enable me to control my anger. You have struck me for answering me, you honestly. How I despise you. Do you know what you have just said? Yes, sir. But your treatment drove me to it. Do you know that I have a right to do as I like with you? That I can kill you if I please. You have already tried to kill me, and I wish you had. But you have no right to do as you like with me. Silence! Ah, heavens, girl, you forget yourself too far. 
Are you mad? If you are, I will soon bring you to your senses. Do you think any other master would have borne what I have borne from you this morning? Many masters would have killed you on the spot. How would you like to be sent to jail for your insolence? I know I have been disrespectful, sir, but you drove me to it. I couldn't help it. As far as jail is concerned, there would be more peace for me there than there is here. Well, you deserve to go there. But I am not ready to send you there yet. There's no hope that the doctor will ever consent to sell me. He has an iron will and he's determined to keep me and to conquer me. My love, he's an intelligent and religious man. Even if he can't obtain permission to marry me while I'm a slave. The laws will give him no power to protect me from my master. I tell my love to go. Go to the free states where your tongue will not be tied and your intelligence will be of more avail to you. He leaves me. Still hoping that a day will come when I can be bought. With me the lamp of hope has gone out. The dream of my girlhood is over. I feel, I feel lonely, desolate. Saturday night and Sunday too, true love on my mind. But Monday morning's good and soon, and the white man's got me quiet. Blue jay pulled a four-horse plow. Sparrow, why can't you? Cause my legs are a little bit long, and they might get broken too. Red bird sitting on a sycamore limb, singing out his soul. Big black snake crawled up that tree and swallowed that poor boy whole. Wild geese flying through the air, through the sky of blue. Then now we're floating where the south wind blows. So why not me? And you, why not me and you? Dr. Flint has contrived a plan to build a small home for me in a secluded place miles away from town. Oh, I vow before my maker that I will never enter it. I'd rather live and die in jail. I'd rather toil on the plantation from morning till dark than to drag on from day to day to such a living death. I'm determined that my master, whom I so hate and loathe, who has blighted the prospects of my youth and made my life a desert, should not, after my long struggle with him, succeed at last in trampling his victim under his feet. I would do anything 
everything for the sake of defeating him. I can't be a pessimist. Hold on a lie. To be a pessimist means that you agree that human life is an academic matter. So I'm forced to be an optimist. I'm forced to believe that we can survive whatever we must survive. The table about to turn. The table about to turn. The table about to turn. Yeah. Uh, I've been flipping through my timeline. Trying to get my mind right. My city cried out. I got to cool down. But I'm under pressure. Looking with my Crisco. Look at where my fist goes. A renegade when I'm in a rage. I got to cool down. But I'm under pressure. I keep my hands dirty. My mind clean. Got a new agenda. With a new dream. I'm kicking out the old regime. Liberation, elevation, education. America, you a lie. But the whole world about to testify. I said the whole world about to testify. And the table's out there. the table's out there. Today and happy birthday to everybody that made this possible. See you next week.